Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Strahan. Hey, it's Odie Strahan, and I'm having one of the most amazing days of my life. Hopefully you are too. Let's get this show started. What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Strahan. We are in for a treat today, guys. I'm really excited about our guest, good friend of mine that's just done phenomenal things um, as a sport and entertainment host. He's done work for the Kings, Clippers, Pac-12 tournaments, Kentucky Derby, you name it. The guy is phenomenal. And uh, we get to actually pick his brain and, you know, have him share some experience, his experiences with us. Armand Newton, are you out there, brother? Straight talk with Strahan. Oh, man. <laughs> that introduction was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, brother? Nothing much, man. I'm telling you, hearing you talk about um, talk about some of the stuff I've done, I'm going, wait, did I really do, did I really do all that? Because, you know, you know, you know, when we got that humble hustle going on, you know, sometimes you forget what you're doing. You're just hustling. Were you thinking, who's he talking about? You got the wrong guess? <laughs> yeah, for real. It's like, huh? Is that- no. Okay. No, man. Yeah. Hey, it's good to have you, man. You've always been that, you know, what I call, you know, that humble, I call you Hollywood, you know, that humble superstar. But, man, yeah, you, you know, you've done some amazing things, man. I can't wait to get right into it. So, hey, man, uh, a little backstory uh, from you. What I want to get started with is how you actually got into the uh, sports and entertainment, you know, hosting or the industry itself because uh, yeah. I've heard it a few times, but I want the audience to hear uh, exactly how you got started with the Kings and how, you know, how that went about. So if you don't mind starting there with us. Yeah, man. Do you want the short story or the long-winded story? Um, hey, we got a lot of stuff to go through, but it's your show, <laughs> baby. It's all about you. Oh, I appreciate you, man. Well, you know what? Um, to be frank about it all, you know, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you're taking that opportunity to just, you, you pray about things, you know, you talk to the universe, you talk to God, you know, and you find yourself at this crossroads and you're going, well, I'm working this nine to five job. It's not me. I'm making a lot of money, but it's not me. What's going on? And you can't figure it out, but you, for whatever, it doesn't matter how big the paycheck that comes in, you're not happy. And for the longest, I couldn't figure that out. And um, literally uh, came to the point where the job uh, had me drive two hours one direction and two hours the other direction, depending upon what kind of traffic there was, right? And um, I really came to a point in my life where I was ready to lock it down and just be like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I, I don't know what, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, but I, I'm, I, I'm an entertainer, not entertaining. I think that's what, you know, mm. that's what came up. And uh, I was ready to toss it all in, man. I'm talking, I mean, to the point where, I was ready to, to give up. I, now, let me set the stage. Brand new house, married with three kids, all right? Mm-hmm. And here this dude is on this drive home, ready to tell his wife that he's ready to quit his full-time job, which if I quit this job means can't make the house payment, can't make the car payment, family is going to have to probably move. You know, those kind of circumstances were, is what I was faced with. And uh, came to that point and got to the point where I'm ready to drive home and talk to my wife. And this is how it's going down. But the coward in me was going like, I'm just going to call her. I got two hours on this drive. What looked like it was going to be about four hours because traffic was just horrendous that day. Had my notepad of all the things that I was going to rebuttal my, you know, 
answers with, you know, if my wife said this, I'm going to say that. If she say this, I'm going to say that. <laughs> and, uh, I swear, man, but I'm telling you, you know, having that conversation, I swear, you know, if on every drive, the Lord was sitting right next to me, just, we're just conversating, talking. And, and this is what came to my heart, but I'm like, all right, but if my wife don't follow by this, I'm all in because you know what? I, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm being touched in a divine way in that this is what I need to do. Called the wife up and was ready, was ready for confrontation and uh, said, Hey honey, uh, I'm done with this nine to five things. I got to figure out, I got to figure out who I am and what I'm all about. I said, but working nine to five, I know it's not me and I can't do it. So I'm waiting on the phone, waiting for this whole wrath of energy to come through the phone and blow it up. And the simplest voice came through the phone and just said, okay. I said, you hear what I just said? I'm, I'm about to, I'm going to quit this job. That means we might have to sell the house and do it all. She says, okay, I want my husband back. Man. At, that point, at that point, this brother was at a challenge. <laughs> this brother had a challenge. It was all my hands at this point on what I had to do. So make a long story short, man. Uh, it took about a year to kind of figure out what I'm supposed to do. And I thought the end was coming and I would have to kind of go back to do the, to do the nine to five thing. And I walked into this interview. And when I walked into that interview, the guy literally laughed at me when I walked through the door. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? He goes, hey, man, you ain't supposed to be here. I'm like, no, man, you don't understand, man. I'm at, the, I'm at, I'm at my wits end. I'm broke. Ain't got no money. I got to feed my family. I got to make I got to make it happen. He says, I'm sorry. He goes, but uh, I understand. And, and mind you, the interview was a recommendation. The guy was ready for me to come in. And, uh, but as soon as I walked to the door, he laughed at me and said, I, I can't do that to you. I said, what are you talking about? You can't do this to me. I can just do the job. He goes, I know you can do the job. And you probably can be the store manager too. He goes, but it's not for you. I don't see it. So I, trust me and just go off and go do something else, man. You, this ain't for you. And I was like, Wow. And this is the first time I've ever been turned down by a job talking about being overqualified. So the second I walked out of that door, got home, I got a phone call from Arco Arena. And Arco Arena called me up and said, hey, um, got an interview for you to be an usher. I was like, an usher? And I was like, when did I fill out that application? <laughs> it was like, uh, like three months ago. I was like, okay, I'll take it. Um, went in for the interview. Uh, didn't know what I was in store for. Uh, but when I sat down for the interview, uh, this guy named Lincoln looked me in the eyes and said, hey, man, this is probably be the best job you ever have. I'm like, you're kidding, right? Like, nope, do you want the job or not? And I said, I'll take it. He says, it's part time, but I think you'll like it. It's like, okay. I walked out of there. They said, so come up, come here in a few days. We're going to have an orientation. And at the time, Malou Sports and Entertainment and Arca Arena would bring all of their employees in, all 2,500 people, however, how many people from sales to to maintenance, to you name it, they would all be in the arena at one time because the Maloose Sports and Entertainment's campaign back then was all about we are one. And being one was their big campaign and wanted all their employees to understand, hey, it doesn't matter what position you work, we are all one team. Great, love that idea. Well, on the court, they had this little stage set up and, you know, had this you know, some lights and on, you know, they want to make it kind of really fancy. So this dude comes out on the microphone. He goes, what's up, everybody? And I'm telling you, his energy came through. My brain blew up. I don't I mean, we talk about your heart exploding, your exploding, your head exploding. And all of a sudden the call was answered. I'm like, wait, I'm sitting here as an usher, but whatever that dude is doing right now, I want in. 
And I, this girl sitting next to me just happened to be knowledgeable. And I go, hey, uh, uh, who is that guy? She goes, oh, that's Big Mike. I'm like, who's Big Mike? Oh, he's the game night, he's the game night host for the Sacramento Kings. I'm like, who are the Sacramento Kings? And she was like, uh, that's the, the, the NBA basketball team. I'm like, they got an NBA basketball team? She was like, yeah. And she goes, and I'm like, okay, where do I sign up? Where do I begin? She goes, well, you're in the perfect position because ushers get to go everywhere in this place. From that day forward, I, want, I worked every single day trying to figure out how to get myself on that court. And that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. That moment right there was kind of like the turning point of me deciding where my fate belongs and where I'm supposed to go. Um, That's really amazing to me, though. I mean, <laughs> to be transparent, this is the third time that I've heard this. And I still cannot believe <laughs> that you lived in Sacramento and did not know that we had a team. I mean, I, I, I get oh, it that we weren't, we didn't always uh, have the best team, but. Hold on, man. Hold on. To, to my defense, I'm, I'm a city boy, San Francisco. I had just moved to, to, to Elk Grove, and uh, only, only team I knew was the Golden State Warriors, and they weren't that good at the time and, and, and knew everything about the Bulls right? Michael Jordan. But that's about all I knew about the NBA. That was it. I never really watched any NBA games on television, was never into the NBA whatsoever. I wasn't hey. even into sports, man. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. See, I, I didn't know that part. But when you told me that, I was like, are you just trying to make it sound good? Because there's no way you didn't know that we had a team, man. Nah, it's man. Like, what? It's nah, like, man. That, that was just crazy to me. So, uh, so when you first got on uh, with the Kings, uh, you didn't obviously instantly get onto the court as a, you know, as an MC, as a host. Um, when you started off as an usher. How long did you have to pay your dues uh, at that position? Well, being an usher is a job that I absolutely loved. I'm talking, if, you, if anyone gets the opportunity to be an usher, don't, doubt, don't downplay that position, man, because mm. uh, you get to see concerts for free. You get to see Kings games <laughs> for free, right? And you get paid to be there, man. Uh, but honestly, um, I spent every single day that I worked, I made sure that I came in probably an hour before my shift and I was an hour late, you know, leaving. And why? Because I spent time just taking a pencil, watching, okay, where's Big Mike going? Okay, he's going over there. He's talking to this person. Okay, he, he goes over here. He talks to that person. I wanted to see who the man was talking to every day. All right, he talks to this person. He gets paper from this person. Okay, those are two people I need to get in touch with. So as an usher, I can go anywhere in the arena. So I made my way down to the court and was talked to the people he was talking to. At the time, it was Maurice Brazelton, and I'm going – excuse me, um, my name's Armand, blah, 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 blah. And uh, man, I started giving my little, my little eleva elevator pitch. Like, dude, I, I could do this. And, I, and he just kind of looked at me like, okay, man, okay, okay, man, you're an usher. And I, I don't think he took it like that, but that's how I felt. Kind of like, okay, okay, I hear you. Um, and that took maybe about a year before he actually came to me. And it was during a boxing event. And he comes over, he goes, hey, man. He goes, um, I might have an opportunity for you. Um, uh, we're looking for um, uh, like a hoop troop, you know, these people to throw t-shirts out into the crowd and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, Hey, you may have an opportunity to get on the mic or something like that. You know, and I'm like, nah, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. Nah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. And I walked away. I swear I probably walked 20 feet away and a divine hand slapped me in the back of the head. I'm talking 
slapped me in the back of the head. I must have felt my forehead jerk forward. And I'm going, <laughs> what just happened? And it goes, and the voice says, get over there and tell him that you'll take that audition. Okay, I'm on obey. So I walk over there and I said, okay, um, what date's the audition? And I'll go, I'll go check it out. So I went to the audition. And uh, when I was in that audition, I don't know why the cockiest dude on the planet came out of me. And then mind you, I'm not that kind of a cocky dude, but I, this is how it went down. As soon as we got to the interview portion of it, they said, hey, you were great out there during the audition. So why do you want to be on the I-team? I said, please forgive me. I don't want to be on the I-team. Excuse me? I said, I know I don't. I said, I just know that someone told me if I, if I do this and I take this to the next level, I might get the opportunity to be on the microphone. And so it was like a four table panel. So I had to go to four different tables before I got to the main guy. And they're like, that's the guy you want to speak to over there. I'm like, perfect. So by the time I got to every single table, I had the same exact spiel. I don't want to be here. I'm, I, don't, I don't want to be on the I-team. I just want the microphone in my hand. Okay, well, that's the guy you want to talk to. So by the time I got to that guy, he goes, let me guess. You don't want to be on the I-team. I said, no, sir. And I said, reason being, I said, listen, if I take this thing to the next level, this I-team thing, I want you to promise me that you'll give me a shot on the microphone, either co-host with Big Mike or whatever. And he says, wow, that's pretty bold. And I said, well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm reaching for. And he goes, well, we'll give you a call if you're a good fit for our team. So they gave me a call. I got onto the I-team and I, even, in, even on the team, I said, okay, so what are you gonna do to take us to the next level? I said, watch me and put together this team. We did amazing, the supporting staff I had, I mean, I was my supporting staff. For somehow we came together as this amazing team and it, it was almost that they helped me get to where I want to get to. They knew what my passion was. And it was like, they just came in and made the magic happen. And all of a sudden the I team was just part of this entire game experience with slams and big mic, these people throwing t-shirts out, how we were doing it. And, and it was just so much energy that we wanted to give off to the Kings fans at that time. So I was on the I team during Kings games and I was an usher during any other event, a concert or whatever. So they had to let me go as an usher because I started being recognized when I was an usher for being the guy on the court. And so, <laughs> so she said, uh, so the supervisor brought me into the office. She goes, Hey, Armand, I'm not firing you first off. I said, okay. And she goes, but I've seen you during these Kings games. And she said, go be a star. Just that she goes, I'm, I, but you're still a part of this, but I want you to go put more energy in that and go be a star. And I'm going, wait, so you're not firing me. She goes, no, I'm not firing you. I just can't. I, I want you to go pursue that. I know you're putting your heart, in you know, into both positions. But right now, I think you're so good at what you do with the Kings. I think you really need to focus on that and put your attention there. And that was another blessing that just came out of nowhere. And the moment she told me that and the moment she kind of, you know, like kind of set me free, you know what I mean? Because my loyalty to being an usher was real. But she was like, no, I really think you should go and do that and be great at it. So the second she said that, man, the rest was like, okay, let me go do what I got to do. Big Mike didn't show up to an event. And um, they said, well, we might have to cancel the event because uh, Big Mike's not here and he's not going to be able to make it. 
And this is when Francisco Garcia had just got uh, signed to the Kings and it was kind of his rookie party. And uh, Big Mike didn't show, but the I team was there. And I said, uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. This event can still go. Um, I can work the microphone. And uh, she's all, really? She's like, let me make a phone call back, to the, back to, the, to the arena. She made that phone call. Someone on the other side of that line said yes. The microphone was in my hand at that event. And from that point forward, that's when the word got out like, hey, this dude is, can be on the mic. This guy does do his thing. You know what I mean? Go make it happen. And next thing you know, I was with the, with the Monarchs. Excuse me. I was with the Monarchs helping out Amanda and Sarah. And then um, one day, Big Mike didn't want to come back for the King season. And they said, hey, Armand, would you be interested in putting the microphone in your hand for a Kings game? You want to talk about a celebration? There it was, man. Dropped to my knees and prayed and said, thank you. Man, that's beautiful. Uh, that, that's beautiful right there. Uh, Monarchs, man. I haven't heard about the Monarchs in a while, man. Oh, that was an amazing experience too, man. I'm telling you, we need women's basketball back. We need the WNBA back here in Sacramento. That's what we need. Hey, Tisha Penichero was my favorite point guard, man. As you know, my, I have a 13-year-old uh, son that plays basketball. I let him – I actually pulled up some old footage of her, man. She was an awesome point guard. Wasn't she beautiful? Uh, yeah, she was. Hey, she, she was. She was like the Magic Johnson of – of uh, feet of the of the WNBA, you know, when it comes to her vision and her as a true point guard, true point guard. Hey. So from there, um, so from there, it was your show. You you essentially replaced Big Mike. I didn't, you know, they wanted to do something different. I didn't replace Big Mike. It was, it was me and two other MCs. It was me, Scott uh, Scott Fresh, who's currently the uh, MC right now for the Kings, and Jennifer Santich. Um, it was us three. They put the baton in both all three of our hands and said, hey, go. And we all found our niche to what we do. Jen had her thing. Fresh had his thing. And I had my thing. I was the guy that would, you know, roar at the crowd, make some noise, <laughs> you, know, you know, go up to a section and get them just lit and wild. And I contribute a lot of what I do to being an usher. An usher allowed me to learn about people, it had me learn about what people are doing in the stands and how I can make a difference for them. So that's a perfect example of literally maximizing your current position at any time in life. And yeah. in this case, when it comes to your profession, uh, you you'll probably you probably look back at it and and be surprised by how much you actually still implement based on what you learned as an usher. Would yeah, you agree with that? I totally agree with that. It's not just as an usher, but it's so many little things in life that we do that contribute to what I do on the court, right? But wholeheartedly, um, I do things differently than other MCs across the nation because of my experience as an usher. Wow. How to understanding of the arena, understanding how the doors and the voms work, what aisles I can go down, how I can run down these stairs because of the, the height of the stairs. So you would see me run up and down these stairs and people were like, how do you do it? I'm like, well, as an usher, I got a chance to study these stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so so how, many, how, many, how many years were you with the, with the Kings as an actual floor, floor MC? Uh, I started 2006. Uh, that's when they put the microphone in my hand, that 2006-7 season. Um, and I departed... 2011-12 season, I think it was. Okay, so during that time, during that time, 
Kings had some they had some great teams. They had some really great teams. In fact, probably some mm-hmm. of the best teams. Uh, who were your favorite players during that during that era during that time that you were working for the Kings? Man, you know, everybody amazed me that was there. But a few that stick out are like the Bobby Jacksons. I mean, that dude, nice guy off the court. Uh, Ron Artest, you know. He, got a bad rap all the time, you know what I mean? But one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet, uh, Chris Weber, awesome. Mike Bibby, you know, he was so cool. Um, just from the Kings. I mean, there are so many names that I can come across, but, uh, you remember Brad Miller, uh, yeah. Baina Udrich, uh, man, just so many different names, uh, that I can run down, but there's a lot of them out there to just, I mean, still to this very day touch my heart just because you know oh uh 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 let's see uh uh remember what's that guy's name god i can't even think of his name right now um matt barnes there you go matt barnes was another cool dude because i'm you know actually matt barnes and remember remember dante green yes of course yeah of course was my dude and you know he was you know when he did you know the goon squad i mean yeah I mean, yeah, you, you, you had a host of different uh, characters, you know, when it comes to you just naming off those names. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of great players, different type of personalities during that time. Let me ask oh, yeah. you, because also during that time, uh, you know, the Maloofs were, you know, had ownership of the Kings. Mm-hmm. How was your experience working for the Maloofs? Because I know there's always, you know, just like in every, you know, most situations, there's always mixed reviews or everybody has their own take on it. But there's someone that actually worked, you know, obviously for them. Um, yeah. What? How was your experience with the Maloofs? Uh, the Maloofs were absolute, genuine, good people, straight mm-hmm. to the heart. And you know, when when the when the financial turmoil started to take place and the economy started to tank, um, my heart went out to them because they tried so hard to keep things going for the Kings, the Kings, Kings fans, and everything. And and when I say with these guys were, you know, charitable. That was charitable, not because it was a tax write-off. It was charitable because that was, it came from their heart and it was true. You know, they would do. That's awesome to hear, man. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. It was, you know, there were times where before I really got to know them, um, you know, even before I was an MC, I I got an opportunity. They were leaving in their limousine and I was leaving out as an usher. And uh, I I ran up to the uh, limousine and he rolled the, he rolled the window down and it was, uh, it was Gavin. And uh, I'm like, hey, hey, um, I, I'm an usher, but here's my business card. <laughs> um, I would be a great MC for the Sacramento Kings. And, uh, <laughs> he took my card, man. And he's like, yeah, hey, man, I hope, it is <laughs> I hope you get that opportunity. And uh, when I did get that opportunity, man, I tell you, there was uh, several, situ- uh, several, oppor- several moments where they uh, – called me up to their suite because you know they had a suite at, at the arena when they were there to watch the games and if they weren't down on the court they're up there um i got called to the suite there i just hear on the radio hey Armand, um the maloose want you up to their suite you want to talk about a dude's heart dropping out of his butt because um, <laughs> i thought i did something wrong i'm like oh man where did i mess up because you know me being new to this and trying to feel my way through the NBA and learn, I'm, you know, the Kings were an entire learning experience for me. You know what I mean? The time that I was there. Uh, if so, if people thought that 
I was great at what I did. Let me tell you, that dude was just flying by the seat of his pants trying to figure it out every single game. But um, the Maloose uh, called me up to their, to their suite and were like, hey, um, could you do us a favor? I'm like, yeah, sure. What, what can I do? So already I'm just like, Whew, I'm not in trouble. Here's a bag. It's got some autographed jerseys, but I want you to give them out. Excuse me? We want you to give them out. I, I can go bring them down to fresh. No, <laughs> you want you to give them out. You pick a section. You can do it from the court, whatever. You can just go, you give them out. I'm like, okay. And so I would put everything into me to make sure I rocked it at that moment to get the plow place roaring just to get these autographed jerseys. And a lot of that stuff was coming from the top of my head. Now make some noise. The Maloose just handed me some autographed jerseys. <laughs> Who in this building wants to make some noise? And then the place would just go ballistic. And I would run to one of these sections and just burst up there and pop out and be like, boom, here's that jersey or here's these hats or whatever. And they did that a few times throughout the season, you know, and I, and I just felt honored every time they did that. That's awesome, man. Uh, during your time with, 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 the, with the Kings, uh, was there any – specific like a favorite moment that you had while on the court like where you could vividly you know remember uh, you know a specific play playoff game or any situation where you had like a a favorite moment a while with the kings well i got a couple of those man um one that kind of pops off the top of my head is when we were playing the lakers <clears throat> 35 seconds left in the game only uh and we're down by seven 35 seconds. Now you got Kobe in the game. You got all these people in the game ready to rock it. And uh, Mike Bibby just comes through and just drops a couple threes. Bling, bling. The place went crazy. I'm like, oh, we could win this game. I don't, you, know, <laughs> could, you know, like, how is this going to happen? And uh, lo and behold, man, uh, I, think it was, I think the ball went back into Bibby's hands again and uh, hit that shot and bow. There it was. We won. The place went crazy. You can see me jumping up on the up on the scores board and uh, didn't know what to, didn't know what to do with myself because this is the first time that I, you know, a game had been that close and you know I'm trying to do my job, you know, and get the crowd pumped up because I always feel guilty if we lose. I didn't do my job. In some cases, it's like man, I sh I should have got that crowd pumped up a little more. Um, I should have, I should have got this section going, man. If we, if we had just got this defense chant going, man, we probably could have, you know, we could have made this game happen. Um, so th there was those times, but that, that night in particular was that night we came back, you know, down that, that many points. And Mike, Mike Bibby was the man that night. And then there was one night that I know I had an effect on, and that was me and, uh, Kevin Durant. KD, huh? KD himself. KD okay. himself, and I verified it at the end of the game. Uh, but uh, <laughs> here I was. KD had uh, the last two. Sh you know, he had the uh, he had the shots he he had to make at the end of the you know the free throws, and uh, so he's at the free throw line. The place is signed, and I'm trying to get these people going. The crowd is feels defeated. It's like, oh man, but he's trying to. But I got up there and started wiggling my butt and just like, come on, KD, you want this, baby? Ooh, you know whatever I was saying that day, right? 
And he's looking at me. He's glancing at me. I'm like, okay, he's glancing. He's got, I got him. I'm literally right up under the basket and just giving it to him. Just like, uh, uh. He misses the free throw. I'm like, yeah, that's what's up. He misses the second one. He, I think he made the second one. And I asked him at the end of the game, I said, so uh, did I have any impact on that, uh, you missing that free throw? He goes, hell yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I did my job. I did my job. I was like, thank you, man. You know, it's crazy because you see that during the games, like, you know, when I'm, when I'm watching the game on TV or even when I'm there, you know, there's so many people in the arena and that background, you know, it's kind of, you, you would think it's really hard for players just to, you know, just brush them all, you know, out there, out their peripheral, you know, and uh, there you go. That just shows that, <laughs> oh, you yeah, know, they, they, they see it. So they do. Um, from, so it sounds like obviously that the, the Kings experience was, was a very positive one for you. Um, it, it allowed you to establish yourself oh, um, from, from there. You did transition on over to the Clippers. Um, and so I want to talk about that. So Clippers and Kings, two completely different organizations, you know, the culture, um, you know, I, you know, NorCal, SoCal, obviously, you know the rivalry, but there's a big, you know, there's the difference there in itself where the, where the teams are are, are from. Uh, what are what were some of the and not necessarily you know, you know, one being better than the other or positive, you know, or negative stuff. We keep it positive here, but what were some of the differences between the two organizations that, that really stood out to you? Kings fans need to applaud themselves because nice, there nice. are no there are truly no fans like Kings fans, and that's the truth, man. We bring a certain amount of passion behind being a fan, if that makes sense. And if it's like, if you're a fan, you're a fan, if you're a Kings fan and you're there and you're there to be a part of the experience and, you know, you're giving it your all because you're at this game and you're taking in the entire experience just to be there and to be a part of the game. Um, Los Angeles is a different beast in the sense of, Clippers fans would probably be the closest to Kings fans, if that makes sense, versus going to other games that I've seen where the fans aren't there for the game. They're there for the prestige because they're at an NBA game. Makes sense. Um, and Kings fans are literally there for the game, and that was super exciting. The Clippers fans, I would say about – 80% of them are there for the game. But when you get closer to the court, they're there for the prestige. They're there for the glamour to be looked at and that kind of thing. So entertaining Kings fans from courtside all the way up to the highest section. Those were Kings fans from the bottom all the way to the top. And the same energy at the bottom on the court was the same thing at the top. At Staples Center, it was, you kind of had to go a little further out, you know, and had to go a little further up to the upper sections to kind of get those real true Clippers fans. Um, because, you know, again, and that's, that's Los Angeles for you, you know, you know, Floyd, May, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather's there, uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce are there, Justin Bieber. I mean, I can keep on naming all these celebrities that show up to these games to watch Chris Paul and, you know, Blake, Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin yeah. do their thing. And, you know, I can go on and name some of these other players, but 
that was the spectacle, you know, and you, and these actors, you know, they're, they're one way during the day and sometimes they just want to come to the game and let off steam. Well, the security is entirely different at a, at a Clippers game, at a a Clippers game versus at a Kings game, you know, you got, everyone has their security. Um, You name it. This actor has their security. This person has their security and they they got all their securities and we have our security. And at the Kings game, we're all family. It's just family. We're there. You know, every once in a while you had a couple of celebrities that come through there, but those celebrities want to be a part of the action. They want to be a part of the game and want to throw some t-shirts out. Maybe we'll put the camera on them and be like, Hey, so-and-so is here today. But man, there, believe it or not, at a Clippers game, they hardly put the camera on, on the celebrities that are there. And it's about the game. And that's kind of how, you know, well, no, that's I, don't a know good, gets, I don't know if that gives a good example or not. No, it is. And actually, that was a great illustration that you, that you gave. And that actually, uh, you know, puts stuff in perspective and, and gives a, more, uh, a bigger found appreciation for what we got here when it comes to loyal fans. The fact that you pinpointed whether it's the, you know, individuals that are fortunate enough and blessed enough to have those, you know, courtside, you know, seats, right? And, right. Uh, and, and as opposed to the ones that have the nosebleed, but they're, they're the same genuine fan. They're there literally right. for the game, you know? Yeah. So that's, no, that, that was a perfect uh, illustration. Then. That, was, that was huge. That was, that was good. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and one of the things that, were, that was kind of crazy that I noticed going down to Los Angeles, you know, Mind you, when I went down to the Clippers, I, I automatically assumed that I am going to Los Angeles. So Los Angeles must have better entertainment, better everything than we do at the Kings, right? Far from it. Yeah. It was the Kings that were the pioneers for a lot of the things that are contribute to what you see at an NBA game. Yeah. Hey. That's something that that's something Sacramento needs to be proud of as well, man. Um, you name it. I mean, everything from the noise meter to the some of the fan experiences. A lot of these NBA teams have come to the have come to the Kings and go, "Hey, how do you guys do it? And what do we need to do?" And we've had all these other team directors, entertainment directors, come to a Kings game to see how it's done. Big Mike was the pioneer MC across the entire NBA. There you go. No, that's a, that's the biggest form of flattery right there. It's called, it's called R and D Robin duplicate, <laughs> right? They <laughs> right. Robin duplicate. They, they, yeah. Right, right. You know, so being that you were in LA though, I gotta, I gotta ask you, have a little fun here. Um, Cause I happen to, you know, you and I are friends. We've, you know, we're on, so, on our social medias and I happen to, man, it's like, who's who, like who's with, who's, Armand with tonight. I saw Jay Z. We saw Drake, Beyonce, Rihanna. I'm like, okay, look at Armand. Who's who? Yeah, there? That's why I call. Hey, that's why I call you Mr. Hollywood. But let me ask you. <laughs> that be that being said, did any of these celebrities have you starstruck? Hmm. Okay. Coming from Sacramento, let me just put it this way. Coming from Sacramento. And maybe we'll get a celebrity here and there come through, right? I think, I think probably one of the biggest celebrities I met in Sacramento was probably Arnold, Schwarzen- Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Gabrielle Union, um, Ava Longoria. Those are probably the probably the biggest ones. I- oh, and uh, what's his name? Um, Little Wayne. Sorry, sorry, Little Wayne. <laughs> 
uh, and little Wayne. I was there. Probably, yeah, I was I, there when Wayne was there. I was there for a game when yeah. he was there. I saw it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, and it's probably a few more, but uh, when I got down there, um, I think it was like my first game, and I was immediately like, "Holy smoke, this person's in the house." Oh, that person's. Oh, I'm a. Oh, ah. And the person next to me said, "It with the simplest as words, this is where they live." You're going to have to calm that down. <laughs> I was like, okay. So immediately I was put in my place and it said, you know, calm down, man. This is, this is, this is where they live. And I was like, okay. And so at that point, um, it was like, kind of like anyone who came through, I just had respect for it. It, it was, you know, not really, you know, awestruck by anybody because again, um, I think, you know, I don't know if it's just because when they're in their hometown and who they are, they almost turn off the shine, if that makes sense. It does. It, it doesn't, it, they don't shine as bright because they're not in that position for you to, um, how do you say it? Just like, you know, they're not in that position to give off that, that energy. They're, they're, not in, they're not in performance mode, right? It's turned yeah, they're off. Not, they're, they're, not, they're not there performing a concert. They're, they're just the same reason you are, to, inter- to enjoy the game enjoy the game. Right. So I want to sit here and enjoy my pretzel and hot dog and do what I got to do. And, and that's it. Right. I mean, even so much as, you know, like people that I would thought that I would kind of go crazy over, which, you know, I want, there was those times where of course, like Jay-Z, I wanted to make the opportunity to get on over there and go, Hey, I appreciate your work. Thank you. Right. But I wasn't going to take a picture. Right. I'm like down here, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and take a picture with everybody. Until, until our PR person goes, Armand, we need you to take pictures with these people. I'm like, why? They're like, <laughs> well, because you're our, you're our MC and host and we need you out there taking pictures. I'm like, dang it. Okay. Cause I didn't want to intrude, man. I just wanted to shake a hand and be like, yo, you know, and I've shared some dressing rooms with some amazing people too. Right. So here I am. I got all these celebrities in my dressing room. I'm like, Oh, we're in the same dressing room. How you doing? Nice to see you. And they were just coming out to do the anthem. They're, you know, in my dressing room until they did the anthem, then they were going to leave and go into the stands. But I got that, that one-on-one and that opportunity with them. So, you know, it's funny. I actually, out of all the people, because I knew I was going to ask you that question. And, and out of all the people, I actually thought of Jay-Z. Seriously, with you, just because I know how much, you, you, know, you, you know, you love hip hop and, you know, we respect yeah. what Jay-Z has been able to do. Um, that was actually the one individual that I actually thought that, may have had you you know somewhat starstruck yeah it yeah and the thing was it's like even with that and thinking about oh man this is jay-z you know and at the time um i think the same well i've seen jay-z a few different nights and one night um dj Khaled was there and um you know dj Khaled, he was trying to get me on his uh you know on his ig and he was doing all these things and you know whatever he was using social media platform he was using but he was doing his thing and we were all talking and we were kind of in this kind of circle together and just kind of chatting, talking about the game. And then, then there's been times where, all right, it's Jay-Z. We're sitting back and we're actually talking trash to each other about the game. So, I mean, once I got in, so now it's like we're having these moments and I'm, now I'm just with them. And now I'm being a part of, you know, just being a part of the experience too. So I'm like, here I am, got to pinch myself that here I am talking trash with Jay-Z, talking trash with Drake talking trash with Rihanna, talking trash with the Kardashians, you name it. I mean, it just goes down, you know, down the line of all these people of, you know, 
it's their home. And I'm just happy to be home with them, you know, be in their living room. And this is where they're, they're being entertained as well. So we're all one. And at the same time, they're impressed by my job and what I'm doing. Now I'm the person they're watching. They're watching me on the court. They're watching me get the crowd pumped. They're watching me do this contest and this person toss the ball, you know, whatever it may be. They're laughing at me and what I'm doing. They're having a good time. If I say make some noise, they do it. I've had, I had a Floyd Mayweather try to hustle a t-shirt out of my hand several times. <laughs> I'm like, hold on, man. You a million, ain't you money, ain't you money, man? Why, why you need this t-shirt? Because I want it. Then hand me that stack of cash you got in your hands for this t-shirt. <laughs> no, hey, like, that's nah, great. Man. That's great to see that they're respecting your craft like the same way we, we respect theirs, you know? Yeah, and that was probably, that was something that was really cool to kind of, uh, experience, that's to say, if that's a good word. No, yeah, yeah. So from there, uh, you know, getting out of your NBA experience and uh, you worked some other, obviously other events. I'm pretty sure I missed some. You could definitely fill in. I know you worked some, you know, the Pac-12 tournament, which is obviously a big, big tournament right before March mm -hmm. Madness. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the big one I want, I want to save to talk about last but uh what other sporting events what other big events uh other than you know the kentucky derby which i want to talk about last but pac 12 any yeah. other events that you worked that i might have missed out on yeah I, well i worked all the major sports uh uh the nba nhl mlb nfl wow. um, i've done i've done all those sports and had um a, a hand foot uh participated in their events you know uh been great experiences all through because you know when i'm going to circle back to that moment that you you have to answer your calling you got to answer you know what i mean especially when you've prayed about it well okay well here's the answer go go do it the universe god is it's going to make it all available for you and then as soon as you commit you you embrace it because for the longest od um I've sat back for years and a friend of mine would ask me, he was like, so, so what do you do, man? So I would go, oh, well, man, I, I do this and that again. Yeah, I, I kind of do this and do that. And I would go around with so many things. Right. And then one day we call and, and this guy, it's kind of a, my accountability person who just kind of put it to me. And he's called one day, I'm just talking and he goes, and I go, he goes, so man, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a host and blah, 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 blah. He goes, wait, stop. What did you just say? I said, I'm a host. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, may the angels be applauding you right now. I'm going, wait, what's going on, man? He goes, for the first time in years that we've spoken, this is the first time that you've told me who you are. Mm. And I sat there in silence and I'm going, wow, I guess I am. This is what I do. He goes, exactly, man. He goes, and that's what you need to hold on to. That's who you are. Everything else becomes a byproduct by what you have defined yourself to being and what you do. He goes, we've been grappling with this for years and you've been going left and right, blah, 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 blah. Haven't been able to define yourself and what you are and what you do. He goes, for once you have defined who you are and what you do. And I go, Okay. And so that, that moment is kind of a revelation to what it is. And then with all the blessings that come through, I mean, being with the Kings have opened up the doors to 
NHL, open the doors to MLB, open the doors to NCAA and so many other events that come with that. Um, and just open the doors and just you start meeting people and people start appreciating what you do. And lo and behold, after about 16, 17 years ago, oh, wow, look what I've done. It's a beautiful thing when you find your passion. You know, you find out what you're really passionate about. There it um, is. And uh, we, we definitely have heard the saying, you know, um, you know, it's not a job if you love what you're doing, right? And so right. for – and it, it always amazed me um, – when anytime you talked about what, you know, what, what you, what, it's funny too, cause you saw he said, it's funny cause on social media, like I said, I follow, you know, we follow each other and uh, you always just put, I love my job. I never told you this by the way. So it's actually the first time you've ever heard me tell you this. Oh. Uh, okay. So you always used to put, I think you still do actually put, I love my yeah. job. And yeah. it always, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Just to let you know, but it always, it always took me. I always like, kind of like just take a second, just kind of hesitate when I look at that. Cause what you do, I never, I personally never saw it as your job. I just saw it as, you know, you, the host, you are your own entity, you know, that, mm -hmm. that you are your own business, you know? And I just right, think right. whether you work for the Maloos, you work for, you know, Clippers or whoever it is you work for, um, knowing your background and still it's held true. You've always done everything as an entrepreneur, you know, it, you, you branded yourself very well. Right. And, um, you know, obviously those checks just happen to come from whoever they come from. But, but essentially, I, I never thought that you worked for you know that so and so organization. You know that you you are Armand, the host. Right. And, you know and that that in itself is you know is is the business. It's the brand. You know it, it, right. it's your own entity. So no, yeah, yeah and it's definitely uh, no, it's definitely you know great to see a lot of the principles that I you know teach my kids and you know just people I'm around and people I mentor, uh, you know come you know really. You, you, we're able to be shown throughout your journey, you know, obviously, which is not done yet, but through your journey uh, thus far, you know, even when it comes mm -hmm. down to my favorite definition of success, it's found like, you know, on all these episodes, I'm finding out this is the case, you know, my favorite definition of success, everybody has their definition and they're, and they're all right. <laughs> they're all good, you know, right. but one, one of my favorite definitions is find someone that has what you want and have them show you how they did it. Very simple, but that's mm -hmm. big Mike to me for you. That's big Mike, yeah. you know, uh, and, and it's it's nice though because you're able to see and you mentioned this uh you were able to essentially shadow him follow him you know everything oh he God. did yeah. right oh, and, yeah. and so that's that's that in itself is a blessing uh because everybody needs to find that you know that was your mentor that was your definition of success you were able to model that and and obviously uh build from there and put your own spin on things you know True. uh and so and one thing is it doesn't really matter, you know, what you have done. Cause like I said, I've seen in different capacities, um, you know, that work ethic, uh, you know, has been in there, has always been there, maximizing the opportunity, always finding ways to learn, you know, cause every, no matter which situation you're in, there's always something, there's always some good from it. First of all, you know, not all things are good, but there's always some good, good from it. You just got to put your energy into it, you know, and, and right. I mean, like, and I'm not, not downplaying the usher position as you said that's it's a great position it actually <laughs> no i'm being serious it actually right it actually catapulted your you know your, your, your career you know it launched it right and yeah. uh, but see people will listen to this and 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 it will probably chuckle or or, or they'll be they'll at least be shocked that you say that you know but yeah. but but that's a perfect example of you know no matter where you're at 
you know, take in where your current position, it's not your end all. It's not where, you know, it's not the True. end, you know, True. but take in where you're at and maximize it. I don't care True. where you're at, you know? So, um, and then obviously from there, it all comes together and, and success sometimes has its way of expediting itself. You know, uh, you know, it takes, you know, so and so long to finally get your opportunity, but once you get the opportunity, now you're seeing success left, right, left, right. Right. And that's, a, and you know, you're not talking about overnight celebrity here. We didn't do it. We didn't do it overnight, but no. sometimes, but sometimes, you know, when you get that break, like someone could outside looking in who, do, who doesn't know your journey could say, Hey, you went from the Kings Clippers, uh, you know, Pac-12, MLB, all these other great events. Right. right. And say, wow, man, he picked, I mean, he just, his career just took off. Like, well, no, they, they don't understand the backstory. There, there was many years prior to that, that, that you had to put in just to find out what the passion was. That was oh, work. Yeah. No, that, oh, yeah. that was work. Oh, so that's man. the part. So, Wise you know, as, as, as you're, as you're talking, um, it's really resonating in me. And like I said, cause you know, a lot of these uh, success principles that I live by that, you know, I, you know, I teach and, you know, um, it, it's a per, you're, you're just another, another perfect example, another testimony of how it is to be true, <laughs> how it's just oh, true. So and, let's try what you said. I just got my kids are a great example of that where my two uh, the two youngest ones only knew me as a host mc my daughter was the only one who saw me my oldest one is the only one who saw me come home in a in a in a delivery truck but the other two dad what do you mean and i spend every opportunity to remind them like this is this is how it came for me this is where i started from this is what happened to me you know and making sure your kids understand, man, that's the probably, you know, my kids have seen the struggle and it's real and I don't, I don't, I don't hide it. No, Hey, it's, it's all part of the testimony. You know, in fact, the, uh, I always say, uh, sometimes just, you know, my, I confuse my kids when I say this, it's not how good you are when things are going good. It's how good you are when things are going bad that determines how good you are, if that makes sense, you know? Wise so I, 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 so I always, and I, I, you know, it confuses them, but I always tell them, you know, that's when you have to persevere, you know, um, and that's when you have to push through. And ultimately, if you're able to push through, uh, that's when true greatness happens, you know, because you're able to push through it. So, uh, right. man, that's a perfect segue. So let's, I, I want to finish it up here because, like I said, man, I'm, I, I'm beyond proud of you, man. I'm beyond proud of you when it comes to what you've been able to do. Uh, but the one, like, man, when you think of Kentucky Derby, <laughs> That's like one of the most prestigious events in sports. Oh, no, no, in man. sports. So, so what I want, you know, what I want to conclude with is, uh, you know, talk to me about how that opportunity came about. I know you've been working the event. So this year was supposed to be, I believe, your fifth year. Um, hopefully, I'm right on that. If not, right, fifth year was I right? Uh, or, which what? My the Derby? Yeah, was it was it gonna be your fifth year this year? Uh, or is it gonna seventh. be your, Seventh. Oh man, I shorted you two years. Look at that, man. So, so <laughs> I know, it's, it's been a long time, man. No, it's, no, it's good. No, that, hey, that makes it even more impressive. Talk to me how that opportunity came about the Kentucky Derby. Can I tell you that it was the opportunity that I almost threw away to someone else because I didn't think I was qualified? Wow. I had that moment. I honestly had that moment. Um, uh, first, I just want to say that Mr. Strahan. You have always been an inspiration. Your hustle, um, the way the way you mentor your children and the mentor the people around you. You constantly mentor the people 
around you. And, um, and it's like you share your knowledge willingly. And some people, they'll be fools not to take your knowledge and your wisdom. So I just want to say thank you for always being that person that was always there and handed that out willingly. So I appreciate you. that. Appreciate that. Um, but um, as for the Derby, I got a phone call. I'm just sitting in my, sitting in my living room one day. And um, hot afternoon, I get a phone call. And it says, hey, and it was a voice I had rec- I recognized. It was a producer that I worked with on another event, executive producer, senior pro- producer, whatever, um, that I worked on with another event. And I just thought that she was just calling just to kind of say, hey. And then she goes, hey, um, would you be interested in doing the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> and I go, uh, no, 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 excuse me. Let me roll back. She goes, what are you doing in about two weeks on such and such date? Uh, nothing. And she goes, okay, great. Hold there. I might have you, might, might have you joining us at the Kentucky Derby. Okay. Um, so I'm silent at that point. And she goes, hello, you still there? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll call you back. <laughs> She's like, okay. So immediately I got off the phone and I said to myself, the Kentucky Derby, what the heck? And now mind you, I didn't know to what degree she meant about the Kentucky Derby. I'm just like, okay, the Kentucky Derby, what does that mean? That means me going to Kentucky um, and there's a big, this is Kentucky Derby. So I'm, I'm playing with all this in my head and I go, aha, I know the right guy for this. If I'm not the right guy, I have somebody that is. So immediately I got on the phone and tried calling Scott Moak, who's the PA announcer for the Sacramento Kings. And I'm calling Scott Moak and I'm going, hey, uh, give me a call back. I, I want to see if you're available such and such date. He says, okay, um, call back. And I said, yeah, hold on a minute. I might have an event for you if you're interested. He goes, okay, all right. So I sit back and I wait for the phone call. The phone call comes back to me. Now, mind you, on this phone call, I'm ready to go, hey, if I can't do it, I have somebody who I think would be great for it. And then there's a pause on her end of the phone. I'm going, she goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know, and she goes, <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm, Odie, this, I'm thinking, I, I can't do this gig because I would mess this up. I, there's no way I'm like, nah, you want somebody like, because be honest, I'm saying to myself, how many brothers go to the Kentucky Derby? and host it exactly i immediately i immediately went there and and shame on me but i went there because this is what has this is what society projected this is what i saw on tv this is what they show you this prestige and i'm like how do i fit i am in the nba how do i fit at the kentucky derby right but the producer that called me trusted in me and she goes, okay, you're in. I'm like, what do you mean I'm in? She goes, if you're available, you got the gig. I'm like, what do you mean? Okay. She goes, and she can tell where I'm going around. And she goes, <laughs> they seen your demo. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Really? They seen my demo. She's like, yeah. And they loved it. And they want, they want to, you know, they want you here. I was like, okay. So I was all set up and ready to go. All right. Give me your information. Blah, blah, blah. I'll send you the flights and blah, blah, blah. And okay, cool. What, you know, all the details. So I get there and I'm still in denial in the sense of when is the joke going to happen? So I'm downplaying my role at the Derby already. I said, okay. 
I can see this. They're going to have me in the parking lot, maybe do like a little parking lot hit or, you know, because she still hadn't given me the details. I'm going to do a parking lot hit or maybe I'm going to go work maybe like a, a, an alcohol uh, event of uh, one of the, you know, uh, venues or something like that. Maybe I'm just going to do something separate. So I get all the way and I'm still thinking that, all right, I'm going to get off this plane. Someone's going to pick me up. Am I really going to Kentucky? I even had to check the ticket. I'm like, I am going to Kentucky. Okay, this is, okay, I'm going to Kentucky. I get to the airport, get off the plane. Someone picks me up, brings me to Churchill Downs. Now I'm at Churchill Downs and I said, okay, Armand, you're here. Come through this gate. We're going to meet in this room. I said, okay, cool. Come in this room, meet the producer. I'm like, hey, hello, how's it going? Hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. It was me and two other ladies. Armand, these are your co-hosts. Okay, cool. My co-host, what are we doing? And she goes, okay, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. So we go out to the back, to the back lot, which is where all the racehorses are. And we get drove, uh, we drive out there on a golf cart and we get back there and we meet this guy. And this guy comes out, his name is Jeff. And he says, hey, Armand, nice to meet you. He says, introduces himself to the co-host and he goes, okay, this is why you guys are here. And points up to this humongous screen. The screen is three NBA courts wide. If I can, if that can, you can picture that. It's huge. And it's, it's a 4K screen. So he goes, this is why you guys are here. We need to put content on that board. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, like, what's that mean? Like, I, Odie, I still couldn't comprehend what he was talking about like content. He goes, yes, this board right here is going to be including all the thousands of TVs that are across the entire Churchill Downs. Whatever's up on this board is on these TVs entire Churchill Downs. So you guys are going to be the hosts of the Derby. Wow. Okay. Run that by me again. Okay. Well, let me show you guys. So we go into this, we go into, we go into the turf club. Okay. One of the prestigious clubs over there. And they have this remote camera. This camera goes on me and flashes us on this big screen. He goes, you guys are the content that's going to be up on this board, and you, we're going to trust in you guys to bring the experience of the Derby to everyone. Okay. Um, Odie, I wanted to run into the nearest bathroom. <laughs> I felt nauseous. And I'm like, I can't believe this. Now, I still, still can't believe it. They gave me my clothes. They put me, dressed me up and said, here you go. Here's the microphone. And Odie, when I tell you that first hit where they put me on the camera, it was one of those, wait, that, you know, when you go, hey, that's me. <laughs> I was that kid that looking back at himself, making sure that was him up on the video board. I'm like, oh, yeah, look, at, oh, that's me. Okay, everybody. Then I had to compose myself and get into the magic um, and just be who I was because there was a moment where I was almost about to break because of the nervousness. And, they, and the producer pulled me aside and goes, hey, I brought you here because right. you bring to the NBA fans. We want that same energy out there when you're doing the Derby. Took a deep breath and I said, you got it. And she goes, we, we're two, we're, we're, um, cause we kind of had a practice run because they have two races before the Kentucky Derby, which is the, uh, Thurby. And then they have the Oaks and Derby. So I was there on a Tuesday 
um, I was filming segments and our first race was Thursday. So the Thursday race was sort of a smaller race, but kind of builds you up for the Derby day, which is the Saturday. And so by the time Thursday, Friday came around, boy, I was in the, I was in my groove the same way I would be at an NBA game. And they gave me that mic during Derby day. And, uh, I put it to him and I'm still here seven years later. You were in your zone. You were in your zone and, uh, you demonstrated why they brought you out there. Had to, man. It's one of those stories. You, you know, you're not a moment where an athlete has to suck it up. You know what I mean? And it's, hey, man, everyone's counting on you in this game. Get out there and do what you know how to do. Do what you've been practicing for all this time, right? The reason why, you know, you don't like practice, but you love the results of having practiced. So that's what you got to take with you. Take what you've done. Take what you, what you've, you know, what you've learned over the years and apply it. And I applied it and did what I had to do at the Derby. And I still pinch myself every time I'm there. It's amazing, brother. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, everything you, you've done, like I said, has, has been nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, I appreciate you coming by. Thank man. you. I mean, I mean, I, that was, uh, I, I mean, I, I got great value. I got great entertainment from, from, from uh, hearing you talk. Uh, the, the, you know, the stories, you know, it's, uh, it, you just have a way of, of uh, telling, just speaking, telling stories as if I was there, man. But, uh, oh. you know, you, you, no, it, it really is. So let me, let me, let me just conclude with this, man, um, is, you know, I, it's been awesome, man. It's been awesome the last, you know, 16 years to, uh, you know, see your, uh, career evolve. Um, obviously nowhere near the end, you know, uh, in fact, just scratching the surface. Um, I hope that people out there, um, you know, truly are inspired by this story when it comes to truly finding your passion and, and getting in there, applying, you know, the, you know, working hard, being humble, being humble enough to know, you know, your starting point is not your end point. And that literally, uh, you know, the possibilities are endless. In fact, the possibilities, when you find your passion and you have faith, it'll put you in places, AKA the Kentucky Derby that you would never even imagine yourself, you know, being so, oh, man, for real, there's no doubt. I mean, I mean, you talk about celebrities at a NBA game, the celebrities at the Kentucky Derby is everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody, I mean, Tom Brady, I was there. I mean, this is the year Tom Brady had won the Super Bowl, and I had to go out there and ask Tom Brady if he wanted an interview. <laughs> and I go to Tom Brady, and Tom Brady goes, hey, man, come hang out with us. What? Yeah, I man, have a drink. Now, Odie, you know me, I don't drink. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I had to turn down some good alcohol. And uh, he passed me off to Grunk, and he goes, Grunk, you do the interview. Grunk goes, nah, it's kind of a no media day. Then he passed me off to Edelman. He goes, Edelman, you do the interview. And I go to, over to Edelman. I say, hey, man, you want to do the interview? He goes, nah, it's kind of a no media day. But uh, Tom Brady goes, but hey, man, you want to hang out with us? Hey, you're very welcome to do that. I was like, uh, well, thank you, but uh, I got to move on and find an interview. So I went over to the next table. It was uh, Aaron Rodgers. I go to Aaron. I go, hey, Aaron, uh, you want to do this interview? He goes, ah, it's kind of a no media day. And I was like, Okay. All right. So I'll go down to the next day, next table. It was Brian McKnight. And, 
Brian, you want to do this interview? And he goes, oh, man, I recognize you from the Clippers. I was like, what's up, man? There you and go, up, man. He goes, oh, but nah, it's a no media day. And I go over to the next table, literally. And I'm not kidding, Odie. Table to the next table to the next table. Joey Fontaine. I said, Joey, you want to do it? And I was like, I'm not going to even bother. Next table was boys to men. I said, boys to men, you want to do this interview for me? They said, yeah, man. And there you have it. Boys to men came through on one of my first interviews. So I'm truly grateful for them. Thank you, boys to men. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, hey, uh, do you have any final words for everybody before we go ahead and uh, conclude here? I do. I do have final words. And, you know, you, you have already spoken a bunch of uh, wise words and, and if I can just lend this to anybody who's listening, and if I can touch your heart with this one, ask, pray, and when the answer comes to you, say yes. Say yes. Try it and trust. You'll be pleasantly surprised. I'm living proof, and I keep pushing, and there's so much more on my way. So that's it. That's all I got to do, because this was Straight Talk with Strayhead. Have a blessed day, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to another Straight Talk with Strayhead podcast. If you haven't done so already, click the subscribe button, and we will catch you on the next episode.